Amen. Praise God for a church that has more going on than we need to put in the announcements. It is good stuff. Hey, I just want to welcome real quick and say, uh, just let you kind of point them out to you. We have some friends from God's country, North Louisiana, this morning with us. Uh, Wash and Marisa Jefferson have been spent the weekend with us. They're here just, just letting God minister to them and spending a little time with us. So glad to have them. And uh, without holding the microphone too much longer, because I, I can't wait for you to to hear what he has to say. Um, he pastored a church in, in Saxe, Texas, was the first time that I began to hear from him. What I love about him is that he prepared that church for a place that he didn't even get to take it, but everything that's happened is a part of what he prepared. And God is using him in the ministry. He moved him into the North Texas district office where he pastored 500 plus pastors. And listen, I, I know it's tough to pastor people. I have no desire in me whatsoever to pastor pastors. We are the most difficult people to deal with. So, but he did that and he was able to do that. And now God has moved him and his bride to Springfield, Missouri. And he is currently our National uh, Assembly of God General Treasurer. And I'm glad to have him here with us this morning. He has the spirit of a father. Would you just please welcome my pastor, Rick Dubose, this morning? Now it's, there you go. Hi, y'all. <laughs> it's good to be with you today. We had a fun time in the early service. Let me get this thing working. We'll be all right. We had a good time in the early service, a lot of great people. And uh, those people, they were, they were not even, I didn't think they'd be awake, but they were. And uh, they did all right. So you folks, this is, I thought would be a more full service because there's no NFL game today. So I thought. Matter of fact, I don't guess there is any more NFL games. That's all we've decided, right? We're going to boycott the Super Bowl. Is that what I've heard? I've heard that, you know, so we'll see how that goes. Just so you know, in all my travels, everybody's mad, not just Louisiana. Everybody thinks it was a bad call. So that, that should make you know that something's not right. So we'll see. I don't know. I always boycott the halftime show because I don't trust it. You know, I never watch that. So we just be careful. It's so good to be here. It's just so good to be here. Your pastors have done an incredible job in the last few years. God's hand on them is phenomenal. Have you showed them how much you love them? Wow. And I just think, Megan, when she said, and you women bring your husband, drop him off, and go back home. Wasn't that the cutest thing in the world? That was just so good. That was just so good. I got to know, what are they going to be talking about? Did you want to make sure? No, I'm kidding. We won't go there. Momentum conference. What is momentum? Well, momentum is when you have forward progress at a rate, including mass, that if you throw something in front of it, it can't stop it. It can bash through, break through barriers, difficulties. That Once you've got it going your way, it's hard for the enemy to do anything to keep you from moving forward. How many of you want some momentum in your life? Some spiritual push from God that says, the devil still gets to be the devil, but he just doesn't get to win. He creates issues for us, but that momentum, that power, that move of God going on in our life, we just move right on through it. We can't get momentum if we keep stopping. You're dismissed. You got it right there. That's all you need to know. 
If you keep stopping, you can't build up any momentum. If you keep living for God a little bit and flowing with him a little bit and doing what he wants you to do, and then you don't like what it is, so you get off the train, you stop, you don't participate, then you have to get on and start all over, then you get off, and then you're faithful to church about three weeks in a row, and then we don't see you for about three months, and then you come back, and then you start to tithe, then you quit, and you, just, you can't build up any momentum that way. But if you just get in there and hang in there and just keep doing it, all of a sudden there's a thing thrown in front of you, but your momentum, you just blow right through it. And you go, I remember when that would have stopped me. Instead, I broke it. What's the difference? It's that spiritual momentum, that consistency, that building day upon day, year upon year, faithfulness upon faithfulness. And then it, suddenly you've got a spiritual momentum you didn't even know existed. It takes you to a level of faith you can't have otherwise. It takes you to a level of understanding. It opens the door of your, your ability to grasp. See, we, we learn it. I'll, I'll get to my message in a minute. But, but we, we learn in levels. You, you can't just walk in and say to a first-grade class and say, class, listen up, we're going to learn algebra today. Because they'd all look at you like, what? And you could, you could be a great teacher of algebra, but no matter how good you taught it, they wouldn't get it because they didn't have the levels of understanding necessary to get there. See, what happens when we stay faithful with God, we just keep building a new level for God to work on. And he can take us to new levels because we stayed faithful to finish the last level. That's momentum. That's that building, level upon level, day upon day, week upon week. It literally allows God to do things in our life that he could not allow if we stop the train and keep getting off and keep saying, well, I, I'm going to go do this for a while. Well, I, I just, you know what? All my friends are getting to play and have fun and go drinking and partying. And they, they, so I, every once in a while, a person just, and so I'm just going to get off the train. And go, but you never get your momentum back. You just keep breaking off. Did I just step on somebody's toes? Yes, ma'am. I was talking to you. All right. So, so we got through that. And so you, this whole thing begins to develop where, where when we've been faithful. So what does the devil want to do? I'm just setting this up for the conference. I'm going to preach in a minute. But what happens is what the devil wants to do is he wants to come in and do anything he can to get you to stop your forward progress. Anything he can do to get you to stop your forward progress. Because he knows every time you stop, you got to start all over. You, 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 you mess up the plan that God had where you should have been and could have been. You can't hardly speed up enough to get back to that level. Sooner or later, you got to make a decision. I'm going to get on this Christianity thing, and I'm not going to look up till heaven. I'm just going to stay faithful. This happened. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I don't know why God didn't, didn't stop it. I don't know why he didn't intervene and, and why he let it happen. I don't know, but I'm going to keep going. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to keep going because level upon level, someday I will understand. Someday I'll look back and go, now, God, I get it. And that's where Paul was when he, I'm, I'm still not preaching, just so you know. You always warm up before you run or you hurt something. So I'm kind of warming up, you know. So, so what happens is Paul, Paul had been living a long time. He'd been in ministry a long time. And so when he wrote 828, most people don't quote the first part. But the first thing he was, he said, and now I know. I didn't used to know this, but I got some levels behind me. I picked up some momentum. I broke through some barriers, and now I know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You don't know that till you've been through that, till you've lived through, till you've stuck with it, till you've stayed in there, till you've given when you didn't see the blessing of God. And then the day come and the blessing came, and you said, oh, look, look what happened because I stayed faithful. When I kept coming to church, even though 
I, you know, it was easy. Right now, I'm, I'm still not preaching, just so you know. But right now, there's a problem in America where in, in evangelism, I mean, in, in evangelistic churches, churches that, not necessarily Pentecostal or Spirit-filled, but churches that believe in the salvation of Jesus, uh, through Jesus Christ, that group of churches, that they're only going to church an average of 1.9%, I mean, 1.9 times a month. That means just under two times a month. And so if you have four weeks and you only go almost two, I don't know how you do almost. I guess you drive around the parking lot and go back home. I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure how that part works. But you almost go two times. I think what it means is instead of 24, you only get 20 a year, you know. Well, what happened? What, how, you come in, you're behind. You don't even know where we were last week. You don't even know what God's been doing. But those who stay faithful, that God can build on it. it I wouldn't say man either because that would be like obligating yourself to keep coming. So uh, I'm just playing mostly, but not really. So, so what, what we're trying to say is there's something that happens because there was a time when being faithful to church. I grew, up, I grew up in a house where faithful to church meant Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Did y'all grow up? Any of you grow up in that house like that? We had to go all the time. It was like we didn't, we, we, we didn't know. All the kids would tell me what was on TV on Wednesday night. I never knew. All the best stuff was on Wednesday night, and I never knew because I was at church on Wednesday night. Then Sunday night. Sunday night had great shows. Bonanza was on Sunday night. How many of you are that old? Yeah, there aren't many of us left, are there? Yeah, Bonanza was on Sunday night. If we get, that was the best show on TV, but I never got to see it. I just heard about it at school on Monday. But what my, kid, what my dad and mom did for me by keeping me in the house of the Lord uh, it's worth more than anything Bonanza would have ever done. Plus, Bonanza's on reruns now anyway. If you want it, you can still get it. See, the truth is, what we used to think of as normal, now it's like, well, if I go every once in a while, that's regular. You notice that as church attendance, has, we have more people saying they go to church, but they go so seldom, we're not seeing the impact that it should have. And so, while church attendance is going up, moral decline and this nation is an incredible level. They don't have any momentum. The momentum, if it is momentum, it's the wrong direction. It's the wrong way. How are we going to turn that spiritual momentum to get things going in the right direction doing what God's called us to do? So this momentum conference, this is your chance to do a couple of things. In just a few days, a couple of things to reset your momentum for the year. One is, are you ready? This is going to scare you, but hold on. Come back tonight. Go to church twice in the same day. Who knows what God could do if we went to church twice in the same day? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm cutting up with you a little bit. I really am, but I'm not totally because when I was a kid, we, we went to church not only a lot of times, but, but we would have these revivals. Do y'all remember revivals? We'd go on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And then, and when I was really young and Thursday night and Friday night, and then we'd go on Sunday, then we'd do it another week. And we'd have these two-week revivals and sometimes four-week revivals. We'd get behind on our homework. We'd be sleeping in class. It was a difficult thing. We didn't know how to handle all of it. But what God was doing in our life because of the, of the potential connection of encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter, something grew and developed. So I can tell you that just two services in a row and come back Monday night and, and, and finish this thing out. It will do something in your life. It will begin. That old, those old wheels on the train spin and throw sparks and don't seem to move. But after a while, it begins to move. And finally, you get that train going 50 miles an hour down the tracks. You can't stop it with anything. We're going to begin something that will carry you through this year. But you have to do your part. 
you got to show up. you got to participate. And I'm just encouraging you. Let's get warmed up this morning. Let's get it started. And then let's let God just keep on right through the first part of this week. And let's go into this year with momentum that the devil can't stop. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm glad to be a part of it. I didn't have time to do that in the early service, so uh, Pastor, I, you put it on tape and send it out, and no, I'm just cutting up. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, there's, it's an incredible setup for where I feel God wants us to go today. It's, it's dealing with the creation. The creation story is happening. And he gets to verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night. Let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Now, what's he just done? Well, first of all, he's been a mode where he said, you know, the first day, let there be light. And the light came on, and it was, and he said it was good. It's first day. Next day, he says, let there be an expanse. He created atmosphere. He established atmosphere. On the third day, he said, let the water and the dirt be separated. He created dry land. On the fourth day, now all of a sudden he pops up and he builds these starry hosts in the skies so that, why? So they can can control night and day, which creates a day, so they can control seasons and years. And so we understand the magnetic pull of all that the solar system has and that the earth is rotating every 24 hours. And now we're we're able to back up and look at what God was doing. It's bigger and more magnificent than we even realized what he was doing and create cycles and seasons. So as you know, while the earth is turning, creating days, it's also working its way around the sun. And as it moves around the sun, there are times when it's closer, which creates one season and one opportunity because the distance from the sun determines the atmosphere. Creates a season. Seasons shift, atmosphere shifts. So we see that that cycle. God puts all that in place. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because everything God has done up to that point is an instant thing. And now suddenly he sets up something that is going to require process. It's important to you and I as as spirit-filled Pentecostal people who believe the Bible just as it's written and expect it to happen just as God said. We know that God is able to work miracles. We believe in the miracle work of God. We believe a person can come in this house sick, somebody can lay hands on them, power of God can come on them, and they can leave well. We believe that the man was blind, Jesus prayed for him, and he could see. We believe in the instant, instant changing power of God. And in one moment, you're this, and one moment, you're that. And because we believe in it, it's the way we want everything done. Because we believe God can just change me. He could just take me and just touch me. And the power could come on me. And all of a sudden, I could be right. My heart would be right. My mind would be right. I could just sit at a piano and the anointing could come and I'd know how to play. Hadn't happened. I've tried it twice. Didn't work either time. Good thing is I was alone in the room, so nobody knows. So we have these things that we want to be instant, but God says, no, there are things that are instant, but I'm still a God of process because on the fourth day, I created process. On the fourth day, I created day and night, I created seasons, and I created years. So it t- some things, some things, let me show you something. Y'all still with me? Some things, if, if you take a seed and you plant a seed in the ground in the right season and you let it go through the process 
it'll grow up and produce a lot of fruit, however much that one plant can produce, and most of the fruit will have many seeds in it. So that one seed in one cycle of God's process can literally produce hundreds of seeds. Take those seeds, plant them in God's timing and process, and the year later, you can have thousands of seeds. Plant those seeds, and then you have, you get it. And in a few years, what was one seed is a thousand acres of produce. Because you understood and accepted and valued the process of God. You, you got it. You said, okay, I'll, I won't fight against it. I'll participate with it. And that's how the process works. So God established that process right here. Later on, he'll tell them, I want you to go out and I want you to take over the whole earth. If you were really to take the time to study, I got to hurry because I'm running down rabbit trails. Pastor doesn't care. No NFL game today. So, so here's what happens. Here's what happens. God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. He didn't say fill the Garden of Eden. He said fill the earth and subdue it. How are you going to do that? And then he gave them a gift. You know what the first gift God gave to man was? Every seed-bearing plant. So what's he saying? He said, look at this. I want you to begin to have children. I want you to have a bunch of them. And when you get through having children, your children have children, and your grandchildren have children, and, you know, we got children everywhere. And all, and then you're going to outgrow the garden. Then I want you to take the seeds, and I want you to begin to grow the garden until the garden of Eden literally covers the whole earth. I want you to take it all. I want you to subdue the whole earth. That's what he said. Now, sin entered. Sin messed up the momentum. Everything went wrong there, and we know, so Jesus come back. But if you go all the way to the end of the Bible and read the end of the story, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And what God meant to do, he will yet do. Does that make sense? But he put the process in place for how to do it, how to multiply, how to grow, how to increase. It was there. He gave the seed to do it. He set it in motion. He started something incredible. And we have to grasp that God established days, which the day, there's the light and the dark. There's a time to work and a time to rest. There's a time to renew and recuperate. At night, we sleep, we rest. And then in the morning, we do it again. And then there's seasons, each one with a purpose. And finally, there's years where you had, you had cycle to cycle to cycle to cycle to cycle, and you take the lid off. It's so important. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 written by Solomon, the great, the one who is known for the gift of wisdom that God had released in him. And he wrote this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Try to get those right. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them again. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. That's for all you hoarders out there. It's time, okay? It's time. Your wife's been telling you. To, anyway, a time, that was a prophetic word for somebody. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent, a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. Time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in his time. The process of God leads us into the fullness of what God wants us to be. 
most of us would rather have pastor lay hands on us and suddenly we are we're just sanctified and holy and righteous and everything in us our heart is pure now we want what god wants we love what god loves we're right It'd just be great wouldn't that be fine but the problem is that's not what god usually does he usually puts us in the process <laughs> When I was a Royal Ranger, we used to have Royal Rangers at our church, and, and all the little boys went to Royal Rangers. We had a great time. We, we learned the Ranger Code, and we learned Scripture, and we learned all. It was just great. We was, it was great. Plus, we got to play, and that was our favorite part of Royal Rangers. But we also went camping, and we loved camping. We just loved being outside. So we, a bunch of boys, you know, let them do boy stuff. We had a great time. We cut stuff, built stuff, burnt stuff. It was a great life. We loved being at Royal Rangers. In the middle of all that, one night, we're supposed to go to camp out. We get rained out. We can't go. The Royal Ranger commander said, well, bring everything to my house. So we had sleeping bags in the hallway, sleeping bags everywhere in his house. We were all, all those boys were sleeping in his house. We had a blast. He had a, we just, it was raining outside, but he found a way to have fun. Well, I'm sleeping in his little den, and I keep hearing this noise during the night. I thought it was ghosts were in the house. I didn't know what it was. You know, I, I was looking around. I couldn't find it. Everybody else is asleep. I'm laying there going, they're coming to get me. I don't know what that is. You know, it's scary. Finally, I fall asleep. Next morning, I get up, and we're making pancakes. So I'm the flipper. I'm standing in the line flipping pancakes for all these kids, you know. He comes by. Do you sleep okay? I said, there's something weird in your house. <laughs> this noise. And he just laughed. He said, oh, that's, that's my rock polisher. I said, you what? He said, I have a rock polisher that I think. He said, what I do is I take all these ugly rocks. And he showed us. He went and so he had all these ugly rocks. He said, I put them in this can. I screw the lid on it. I put some chemicals. I set it in this thing. I put a belt on it. And it slowly turns this thing over and over and over. And you can hear the rocks just crumbling. He said, but this one's been on here a long time. So it's really loud at first. But the longer it goes, the quieter it gets. And when it's finally quiet enough, I know they're clean. So I take the lid off, and I take them out, and you got all these beautiful rocks. And he did. He took all oh, they were just beautiful. He said, they used to look ugly like this. He said, it's kind of like church. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, God takes all these messed up people, puts them in the same church, puts a <laughs> lid on it. They all want to change church. He said, if you change church, you're going to mess up God's plan. you got to stay in here and work through this. Mm, you're dismissed. That's all you need for one lesson right there. And so he just, he just, it's a cleansing. It's a process. It just goes over and over and on and on. And it's God's process. That's why Galatians 6, 8 says, let us not become weary in doing good at the proper time or the proper season. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The process of God. So understanding that God uses process all the time, we, we have to grasp its reality. We have to grasp that everything's not just a touch on the forehead. Now I'm okay. Everything's not an instant. That God has things from the very beginning all the way through all of Christianity where the process is required. And you have to embrace the process to get the result. Too many people pull out when it gets uncomfortable. We're going to deal with that more tonight. You'll be back tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10, it says this. The land, this is the children of Israel. They're about to enter the promised land. They're still in the wilderness. And this is the word. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt that you came out of, where you planted seed and irrigated it by foot as a vegetable garden. What that means is the water from the Nile would be diverted, and the way they would do it, they would use their feet to turn the, 
the little paddles or whatever that would sit in the water. So the way you did in the garden. But the land you are crossing, the Jordan, to take possession of, is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is the land, it, it is the land, a land, the Lord, your God, cares for. What's it saying? He said in Egypt, back when you were still in Egypt, you had to do it all for yourself. But now that you've crossed the Jordan into my kingdom, I'm going to take responsibility for what happens. It's a real shift. He said, now this is the land I care for. When you were, when you were a sinner and you were living out there that way, it was all up to you. But now that you've come into my kingdom, now that you've come into Christianity, now, now I'm going to decide when it rains and when it doesn't rain. I'm going to control the seasons of your life so that I make you into what I need you to be. And I'm going to allow some things that are difficult. I'm going to allow some things that are, that are hard, but I'm going to get you through those things. And ultimately, I'm going to bring you to a level of production you could never get to otherwise. I'm in charge now. It's an incredible moment. We'll deal with that more tonight too. But, but it's an incredible part of the process God's put us in. And we must understand that God's got a process for our life that takes me from being who I was to who I need to be. Taking me from who I am into the image of Christ. It's process. And so that shift and that thing that goes on, it's, it's not easy. And I have to, have to stick with it. But he will make even me beautiful in his time. This process of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus tries to help us understand about how to stay in the process. And he says it this way, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. To understand this, you have to kind of understand the yoke thing. Some farmers that I worked with developing a sermon series taught me some stuff. One of the things that one of them taught me was about the yoke. He said, when you have two horses pulling the same plow, you put them in a yoke. Now, when you put the yoke on the horse, there's always one horse that's stronger than the other one. Sometimes a drastic difference, sometimes a slight difference, but they're not the same strength. And the strongest horse will overpower the weaker horse, and you'll end up plowing in circles. You'll plow to the right or plow to the left based on which or So he said the, the yoke has an adjustment on it where you can cause that, head, that stronger horse to carry more of the load so that the, the, the lessened ability of the smaller horse is calculated for. So while he's working, he feels like he's really doing something, but he's not doing as much as he thinks he is. But you're able to pull a straight yoke, a straight line. And so this farmer described to me, he said, that's what Jesus is saying to us there. He's saying that, look, when you get in my yoke, I'm the big horse. I'm Jesus. I have the name above every name. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm the most high. I'm the most righteous. I'm it. I, I got it all. I have all power, all authority. It's all mine. That's me. And who are you? Well, you know. So I'm going to put the yoke on us, and I'm going to dial it to my side because I can pull this load a lot better than you can. So my yoke yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. It's an incredible, beautiful picture how we begin to walk together. Jesus is doing it. So why are we here, Lord? Well, mostly, mostly we're here for the fellowship. 
mostly we're here in this yoke, walking through this, this process in front of us for the fellowship. You just keep your eyes on me and keep talking to me, and we're going to do real fine. And so we, we enjoy the fellowship. Remember when Jesus called the disciples, the first thing he called them to do was be with him. When he saves us, he saved us to be with him. When he created us, it was so he could have fellowship with us. You know, when we get to the end of this whole process that God's put in place, and it's all done, and all the wicked are burning in hell, and all the righteous that believed in Jesus Christ are standing before the Lord. You know what we're going to do? Fellowship. We're going to be back in relationship. It's all about, that's what it's about. So he starts that process right now. He says, let's have fellowship. And so we're having fellowship. But like Peter, we're doing pretty good. And Peter was walking on the water. He was doing good. Had his eyes on Jesus just where he should. He was doing really well. And then his eyes drifted to the waves. And he began to sink. Jesus had to pull him back up. And we're walking with Jesus in the yoke. We're enjoying the fellowship. And we look up and we see something bad in front of us. We see something that's intimidating. We see when, what did they say in the book of Daniel? If you keep bowing, if you don't bow before this false God, then we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And we see the threat of a fiery furnace. We're going to throw you into the lion's den if you, don't, if you don't stop praying. We see that. We see something in our life. If you keep giving, you're going to go broke. If you keep doing this, you're going to lose your job. If you keep going here and we have some threat, and all of a sudden we see the threat, we take our eyes off Jesus that we've been fellowshipping with, and we look up and see the threat like Peter. We see that instead of Jesus, and we begin to change our way of operation, and we start trying to find a way to get out of the yoke because Jesus just keeps on moving. Usually it goes something like this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What? Look in front of us. We Look at that. We need to turn. Jesus said, I'm not turning. No, it's time to turn. We got we got need to go that way. I've been praying and I feel like I have a word from God. I am God. What do you mean you have a word from God? If you had a word from God, you'd be me talking to you and I'm not talking to you. I'm telling you, Jesus, this is not good. If we're going to be in the same yoke, don't I get a voice and where we go? No, you're in the yoke, but you still ain't nothing, boy. And But God, Jesus, this is, it's getting closer. I think we should turn now. If you don't turn, I'm getting out of the yoke. Don't do that. It won't work out for you. You see that tension? We've got this momentum. We've been going. It's really happening. And all of a sudden, there's that thing, whatever it is in your life or my life. There it is. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, please turn. Please turn. Jesus says, I got this. Just trust me. I got this. Yeah, but Jesus, what if it doesn't work out? I'm Jesus. How does it not work out? They put me in the grave and it worked out. I'm Jesus. Yeah, but, but I'm not. <laughs> but you're with me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Why don't you try the same with me? Stick with me. Is that making sense? You know what we do? We get, we get weary and tired anyway. He said, now, if you're weary and tired, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. And it is. The problem is not whether it is. It, it is. Because he said it was, and it is. The problem is when we begin to fight the yoke. We're trying to turn when he's trying to go straight. We're wearing ourselves out. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Jesus said, just calm down and walk with me. We could be having really good fellowship. I don't even want to talk to you right now. I just don't. I just want to. And we have all these little issues with God and attitude. We got all this. And we're just pulling. And Jesus just said, just trust me. I'm big. I got this. And then sometimes we, we actually 
like the old mule. We just dig our feet in the ground. He's just dragging us along. Why are you so tired? Because I don't want to go where Jesus is taking me. I'm fighting it spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Can't sleep at night. I'm worried. I'm in fear. Are y'all keeping up with this? I'm struggling with this. God's got some momentum going. Yeah. And then there's that other piece. That other little possibility is sometimes we want to hurry and go faster than Jesus. Oh, Jesus, look where we're going. Oh, I want to be there. That's so good. And then it really gets us when one of our friends gets ahead of us. When they get a blessing we hadn't gotten yet. When God gives them a raise and we haven't had one in a while. When God gives them an answer to a prayer and our prayer hadn't yet been answered. When something begins to happen. If you're a pastor, the other church grows faster than your church. Whatever it is, something's going on. And you feel this little spiritual competition, this Christian competition, I call it. There's no word, scriptural word for it because it's not supposed to happen. But, but it does happen. And so, and so this Christian competition. And then we think, well, God, they're going faster than me. we got to hurry up. And we start pulling against the yoke. And we're trying to speed God up. We're going to get there. We want this. God, I just believe this is the way. I want it to happen now. So sometimes we don't ever want it to happen and we go this way. Sometimes we want it to happen now and we go this way and we're getting in a hurry. And God in his wisdom knows when and how. And he's just simply saying, would you look at me and talk to me and let me set the pace and determine the direction. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. But I didn't tell you up front and I should have. The more you say amen, the quicker we get through. All right. I usually get a big amen right there. So, I'm... I got to hurry. As we walk in yoke with him, connected with him, he's going to take us through days and seasons and years. See, it's a long walk. We're not the thief on the cross that he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So you just got to believe a little bit longer. But no, for most of us, we're not on that cross. We're carrying one. And it's a lifelong. I got to stay in there. Because God's purpose for my life is not just to get me to heaven, but to use me to help others get to heaven too. It's a different dynamic. So I got to hang in there and I got to keep walking. So I'll go through the seasons of a year. I'll go through year upon year. And I just stay in the yoke. I learn to stay in the yoke. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I remind myself if I'm pulling, I'll get tired. If I'm dragging, I'm going to get tired. If I try to change his direction, I'll get tired. But if I learn to stay in fellowship, man, this is good preaching. I'm preaching to me. I don't know if you guys are enjoying it or not, but I'm about ready to respond to my own altar call, and I hadn't even given it yet. So we go through seasons. In most of the world, there's four seasons, or in parts of the world, there's four seasons. Down south, you know, I'm from Dallas, that's south, but you're more south than us. But we get, we get about three and a half seasons. I heard you're going to have winter in two days, and it'll be over. And so, you know, enjoy <laughs> I hope you enjoy your winter. It won't be here long. But when summer comes, 
you guys will have it, and it won't leave for a long time. I get it. I understand. But there are four basic seasons in the world that we can see and, and really establish. First one, first one in the year is usually spring. It kind of kicks up. What is spring? What does that mean to us? What's the season of spring that Jesus would take us into? It's the season of life. Spring comes at the end of winter. So in winter, everything's dormant and dead. That looks dead. It's not, but it looks dead. And then when spring comes, it begins to grow again. It turns green again. It pops up again. It just gets green. You can't make it happen. You can stand there in the middle of winter and speak to that, that whatever and say, Jesus' name turned green. It's not going to do it. Unless you got faith way beyond me. I mean, it's just going to stay like it is. But, but you let the earth get just close enough to the sun to change the atmosphere all by itself. It's just going to begin to come back to life. And there are times in our life where God just gives us spring. You know what we call it in the church? Revival. That's all it is. Coming back to life. It's that moment where I just... It's just better now. It's just there's just warmth in me now. It's just life in me now. You can tell when you've been in winter and you go into revival. When you go to pray, suddenly you feel like God's really there and He's really listening. You feel that there's something different. There's more life in it now. When I read the Bible, I just get more out of it. When I go to church, I, I get a better experience. But my whole I'm happier. There's more joy. There's just something different about where I am and things that have been just dormant and I couldn't get. All of a sudden they're living again and and my worship is alive again, and, and it's just a shift, and, and I can say, well, I, and people will write a book, I became better because I did this and this, when the truth is, it's not because you did anything, it's because God changed the season. Amen. He moved you to a new season, and a season to establish atmosphere, and atmosphere predetermines what lives and dies. It's a powerful shift. You didn't do it, God did. God controls the seasons in your life. He determines when it rains and when it doesn't rain. He brings it, and God brings us into in a church. You can tell when a church has been kind of dormant. People are saying, our church used to be a great church. Oh, it was a powerful church. Everybody was a wonderful church, and now we're dead. We're just dead. We don't know what happened. We're just dead. And then in the middle of all that, God comes with a new warmth and a new season. And everybody said, well, it's because we prayed so much. I promise you prayer is the right thing to do during all four seasons. We studied the word. Oh, the preacher preached the right sermon. He prophesied the right prophetic word. It all shifted. Can I tell you that all of that was used of God, but it's God who simply changed the season. And suddenly we got life we didn't have before. The presence like we've not known before. Joy like we haven't experienced in a while. And we move into a new season. It happens in the church. It happens in our own life. Second, sec, i got to hurry, so just stay with me. Stuff grows then, but just because stuff is growing doesn't mean stuff is producing. There's a lot of limbs that grow during spring that never bear any fruit. And there's a lot of stuff that comes up in revival that was not necessarily God. As a matter of fact, when spring comes, weeds grow also. Amen? Amen. Everything grows. Everything you hoped would grows. Everything you hoped wouldn't grows. Stuff grows. Life is life. And God gives life. And, and that atmospheric shift allows things to happen. And there, sometimes what happens during revival is not God's will or plan. I don't mean to get off on that. How did I get there? I don't even know. I'll keep moving. All right, stay with me. So that shift takes place. All kind of stuff. We have growth. It's life. But that doesn't mean harvest. For harvest to come... It's got to get a little closer to the sun yet. And as the 
gets a little hotter. Now the limbs aren't growing so much. Now those new spurts of growth and those things, and all that rapid stuff that we saw in the spring, it shifts. Suddenly the energy is now going to make buds. It's reaching out to produce fruit. That energy is different now. It's actually growing something of value. It begins to shift in its value and purpose. And the heat brings it to a place where it's literally ripened and ready to be harvested and used. And that heat helps that process. In the church, it's the same way in our lives. So the joy that comes during the revival and spring in our own walk, Jesus takes us right on into some times where it gets a little hot. It gets a little more difficult, but that heat takes the stuff that began and brings it into the fullness of its potential. It takes it to a place where it's valuable and usable. It's not just you looking pretty. It's you doing something that matters now. It shifts the process, but it takes a little heat. It doesn't just get there easy. It takes a little work to get there. So you go through and you see the shift in the church. In the church, when you get involved in harvest time, all you do is harvest. When you get involved, when it's time, when your life has reached that place where now your ministry and your purpose is being fulfilled, suddenly you are accomplishing for the kingdom at a level you've never accomplished for the kingdom before. God's using you to witness to your friends. God's using you in all kinds of ways. All that begins to happen. We see that great shift. It comes out of that process. The next process is fall. God walks us through the fall. What happens? All the leaves fall off. I'm not bearing fruit. I feel exposed, vulnerable. I don't have anything to hide behind. And God shows me everything in me that needs to be removed. Everything in me that produced that needs to be cut back. So I have a season over here where I've got life and I'm happy. I have a season over here where I'm productive and effective. And then I have a season over here coming out of a production period where God says, yeah, but you're still not all you could be. And so the stuff falls off. And God, I I thought I looked good. He said, now let's see how you really look. Let's see what you look like without the makeup. Let's see what you look like without the leaves. Let's see what you look like without, and you get down to the real you, and God says, some of that's got to be removed. They tell me, they tell me that those limbs that, limbs that grow up on a tree too, too close to the ground, and those that grow up and don't produce fruit, they're called suckers. I mean, that's, that's really what they call them, because they suck the life up out of the sap, the sap up out of the roots and out of the tree, and they produce pretty but no valuable. And they literally hinder things that can produce from producing to their potential. And so during that time, he exposes all that and he starts cutting it off. And so then our life, God, we're walking with Jesus and he walks us through this time where he says, now we're going to get rid of stuff in you. I'm going to show you the things in you that you didn't even know you had. I'm going to show you stuff. It's going to come to the surface and you're going to see that that activity, that attitude, that feeling, that thing I did, all of that. He's going to, all of a sudden, we thought we were great because we just produced all this stuff. God said, well, you are, and I'm pleased with that, but you're not as great as you thought you were. And we go through seasons of cleansing. Is this all making sense to you? Jesus is still leading. Well, Jesus, I liked you better when we were just having revival. And then you led me into this got to get stuff done moment and be effective moment. And, and that was actually after a while, I started feeling pretty good about myself. And then now you're taking me and you're exposing me and you're showing me my weaknesses and how I'm wrong and the sin in my life. And it's, I don't like this. He said, it's a part of the walk. 
It's part of the cycle. It's part of the process. Finally, he's through cutting stuff off of me. Now I'm just like, <laughs> just useless. Then it gets cold. Cold. No fruit. It's just cold. It's winter. What's this all about, Jesus? I talk to you, and I don't even think you're talking back. I'm trying to hear you, but I don't think you're saying anything. I can't feel you. I can't find you. I feel alone. Did I? I mean, you just showed me all my sin, but I thought, I, I thought we dealt with it. I don't know what else to do. Lord, I'm desperate here. Where are you? And I'm alone. So I, uh, I told him in the early service, you got to know the story. I was in uh, pastor of a small church, Reed and I, and we had a little house, and it had a commode. Do y'all's, do y'all's houses have commodes? We were real proud of that. We just had one, and uh, I thought it worked. We we'd been in the house about two days when I, I used the commode, and I pushed, mine had a handle on it, and when you push it, everything would go away. It's a wonderful invention. I don't know who came up with it. I just think it's the greatest thing in the world. I did it, and mine malfunctioned. It started to leave, and then something it didn't like, it decided to come back. And I'm, no, no, in the name of Jesus, in the name of, and it just kept coming, and I just wasn't man of God enough to stop it. And so I ran out in the hall, ran down the hall, ran out the back door, went to where the little clean out was, and I screwed the lid off to let the pressure off, and sure enough, there was a lot of pressure. It shot straight up like the movie RV, if you've ever seen it. I turned around and ran for the back fence. I knew, I just knew if I was fast enough, I I could hear it coming behind me. And I am just running with all I got, doing my best. That's the fastest I've ever ran in my life. And then it just, so I went and rented a snake and I tried to clean it out. Wasn't very good at it. Tried finally, I called a lady in our church. I said, "Do you know anybody?" She said, "Oh yeah," and she gave me Gus's name. She said, "He can, he's a he's the master. He can fix anything." He pulls up in his flatbed, one-ton Ford pickup or truck, dually with some bits all around it, just every kind of bit you could ever imagine. About a two miles of snake, I think, you know. And he had he has his engine on it. He cranks it up, and boy, we start. He starts working a little bit later. He starts pulling out little pieces of root, and he had a pile about like this that he had piled up pulling it out of my pipe and I went over to him I said man look at all the roots you're pulling out I didn't know it would have roots like that here in the middle of winter now now, he's East Texas good East Texas guy he had enough tobacco in his bottom lip to come out his ears I mean he had a lot and he didn't have any teeth so uh, he had one I always wonder how you make use of one tooth. I have never figured that out. That's just way beyond me. So I, I guess I I'm sure it still had value. I just don't know. But he had, but he, but he had all this tobacco in his lip. He's been over there. You ain't working. He looked up. He said, "You must be a city boy." I said, "Well, yeah, I'm from Dallas." He said. Boy, roots don't grow in the winter. I mean, in the spring, they grow in the winter. I said, that was incredible. I got to go write that down. I'll be right back. (laughs) See, the truth is, until we get in the winter season, we don't really grow roots. 
It's those times in our life where we feel like Jesus has walked us right into death. We feel like the valley of the shadow of death. We feel like the winter and the snow. And we're not, this is no good. There's no value to this. I'm not producing anything. I'm not growing anything. I'm not doing anything. You're not even doing anything in me. You're not even cutting off anything. I don't see what this is. And we just live through these winter seasons. We don't even know. We're finding places in God. We're finding truth in his word. We're digging into places we didn't even know. And when the time is right, we're going to tap that old taproot into the right stuff. And then up on top, God's going to shift the season. And suddenly, and you know what God knows? He knows that his next plan for you is so much more productive than last time. That if you didn't have deeper roots, it would hurt you instead of benefit him. You know what we do? We just stay in the yoke. If he leads me into winter, we go into winter. If he leads me through the fall, when he's leading me in production and summer and fruit bearing, oh, I feel so good about it. But I need to remember, it's not because I'm that good, it's because he's that good. And if I let him clean me up when it's over, we'll do even more next time around. This beautiful process that God has for us requires me to stay in the yoke. If I keep getting out of the yoke, I'm not going through all I should. I come back in, I lose the momentum. I lose what I could have gained. You know, today, if you're just a little tempted to bail on God, don't. The best is yet to come. If you're a little discouraged right now, thinking, I just, I just don't know how I can, I can't go on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Can you live another day? Oh, I can do one more day. And then tomorrow you can do another one. And one of these days, it's going to begin to shift. Usually, it's, it's like seeds. It usually doesn't just shift all at once. I mean, it's not cold one day and warm the next. It's usually just kind of a gradual, something's happening. All of a sudden, we look up one day and go, you know what? It's not today what it was. A few months ago. Sometimes our winters last years. Sometimes our productive times last years. That's all up to what he needs done in the kingdom. All we do is stay in the yoke. Finish what we started. Stay in the process. Keep the momentum. Because he who began a good work in you is going to stick with it until it's finished. That's his promise. His concern is, will we stick with it till he's finished? God bless you. Pastor's going to wrap it up for us. Come on, could you just bless my pastor this morning? I thank God for his word and I and I as we pray all the time that it would just go into you and that it would not return unto him void that that you would be that fertile soul that would receive and that nothing would come to you that would be able to choke it out or steal it away 
And we, we, we encourage this. We, we even make this challenge that, that you would take the word of God beyond the sanctuary and into your society, into your circumstances, into every area of your lives. But what I caught this morning in second service, why well, I love attending both services. I love, I always catch something in the second that I didn't catch in the first. And, and I just, every time I hear, I could read the same scripture over and over again, but God say something different as often as I go to it. What I noticed in this service that I didn't catch in the first service is that before there was ever seasons, there had to be light. And so if you haven't received light, you're still in darkness. You hadn't even started your seasons yet. And Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, then you produce much fruit. And by the way, the only way that you produce fruit is being connected to him. And the only way that you ever begin to become connected to him is if you step out of darkness and into the marvelous light that is Jesus Christ. That's who he is. and it's what he does. And here's what's even more beautiful than that, that you can begin to produce and you can begin to grow and you can become a plant. But only the fruit has the seed for the next generation. So good. So good. See, only fruit produces seed that somebody else can learn and grow from. So if you just connect to him and then you hoard it to yourself and you never produce fruit, only fruit produces seed for somebody else. But only light can even begin your season. And I believe that there are some in the room right now as we end every service this way. There are some and you just don't know. Man, am I in the light? Am I yoked to Jesus? Am I connected the way that he wants for me to be? And you can't answer that question with confidence. And we want to give you that opportunity to answer that question with confidence. Because we believe that a new season is ahead of you. No matter where you are, God always has something fresh, something new. It's who he is. But you've got to connect to the one and the only one that can produce light in your life to, in order to engage in that season and take that next step. We call it salvation. That you would ask for forgiveness of the areas where you've fallen short of His glory, that you would believe that Jesus was who He said He was, that He did what He said He did, and that you would confess Him as Lord. And if you can't answer confidently, Chris, I'm connected to Jesus. I know I am. I'm in the light. I know that I am. We want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you just with me real quick, bow your head and close your eyes. We don't want to rush this moment. But I believe that you're prepared and ready and you're either going to raise your hand and answer the call or you're going to wait. And so I want to encourage you to join us. Get on board. Right where you sit today, if you know, man, I, I need to connect to Jesus or I need to reconnect to Jesus. I need the light of God in my life and I just can't answer confidently that I'm in Him. We just want to pray with you. We're going to pray right where you are. If you want to be included in that prayer, Connect to Jesus, reconnect to Jesus. Just lift your hand right where you are. Say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. Holy Spirit, please include me in that prayer. Thank you, thank you. I see you all across this sanctuary. Hands going up as a sign of confession. Lord, please include me in that prayer. I believe. I receive. Save me, Lord. Church, I want to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed, but hands have gone up all over this place this morning. Heaven is celebrating, but they can get even louder if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. We can receive salvation and walk with Him through any season, anywhere He wants to lead. Church, would you pray this with us? If you raised your hand, pray this prayer out loud from your heart with us.